Geronimo. Ah, there we yeah. go. Very well done. That's a good quote. I don't know when he says it. Um, I imagine once or twice, at the very least. Mm. When doesn't uh, he say it, fuck's sake? You know what I mean? Very true. <laughs> uh, just before we get into things, everybody, I'm recording on a slightly different setup this week, so if there's a bit of a wibbly, interferency type noise, I can only apologise. Um, I, I expect you to furiously tweet at me. Yeah. Um, wibbly, wobbly, so timey-wimey. Hey. Yes, it's a wibbly wobbly. Yes, it's all part of the show, actually. Yeah, the wibbly wobbly timey wimey noise. I've added it in in post. Exactly. On purpose. Yeah, mm, mm. course, course. Um, we are talking about season five of uh, of Doctor Who, and uh, the showrunner for this season was St- <laughs> oh Stephen Moffat, and uh, it is starring Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darville, Alex Kingston, and a lot of other people. Too many to go through. A bunch of other people. Yeah, loads of other people. Yeah. So many. Frankly, a dangerous amount of people. Pretty, pretty much. Um, do you have an opening statement? Um, yes, I do have an opening statement. Bear with me. Um, while I like this season, on the out la- out- outermost layer, it is the season when I started worrying about Doctor Who. Um, and that's true. It is the season I started worrying about Doctor Who. It was Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, David Tennant's final season is such a favourite of mine. And also, it's so sort of, um, I don't know if theatrical is the right word, but everybody's doing a lot of acting. The scripts are all very good. Everybody's, everybody g- clearly gives a shit. <laughs> but yeah. this is uh, the start of the, the, the trend of, um, it's something that, this is a, a, a phrase I'm going to borrow from my dad. Um, the, everybody runs down a corridor every week, sort of yeah. framework for Doctor Who. That's what this season feels like. And that's, um, I'm just going to quickly have a look at the episode list. Yeah, it is. Everybody keeps running down corridors. Time of the Angels, they run down loads of corridors. Vampires of Venice, that's pretty much all corridor. Yeah. Um, the Hungry Earth, there's under uh, underground corridors. Oh, yeah, corridors. Yeah, exactly. All corridors. It's a corridor-heavy season. Yeah, it's, tr- it's really big um, corridors. Um, so yeah, I would say that I'm not a fan of the relentless use of corridors. I think it belies a deeper narrative issue. Um, and this is a very long opening statement. Um, so I'll let you have a go. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, a dark fairy tale that is a good start to a very mixed tenure. Uh, brilliant stories, great doctor with, I'm sad to say, a dog shit companion. Ooh, that's a yeah. hot... Well, it's not, it's not that hot a take. She's not a... Um, okay, right, okay. Um, I'm not sure how to how to launch into a conversation about companions. Yeah. Um, so you don't like Amy Pond then, I'm presuming, from your from your comment you made just now. No, I don't. And okay. Would you please explain that at great length? Yeah. So okay. So this show, specifically the new series, the new series, seems to have a problem with its female characters, um, and them behaving like arseholes is somehow f- framed in a way that's meant to be empowering. Um, mm. just like Rose, who treated Mickey like shit. Um, we have mm. Amy who runs away with a stranger mm-hmm. the night before her wedding and throughout the enti- like well you know it's 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 a it's throughout the entire time she's there she flirts with the doctor she i would go as far as to say sexually assaults the doctor this season um mm. and just continuously shows very little regard for Rory's feelings and his needs and it's played mm. off as a joke, and it's funny, and because Rory's, you know, a, 
I, I don't know what archetype is meant to represent, but it's written in mind with it to be, oh my God, wow, she's so quirky. Um, and then we get to my least favourite episode of Doctor Who, which Ooh. isn't in this season, but it culminates oh, okay. the entire premise of why Amy is a really bad companion, and it's in Asylum of the Daleks. Um, yes, that isn't a very good episode. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen, Stephen Moffat has this thing where female characters will often slap male characters. River Song mm. does it, Amy does it multiple times, and mm. um, it's always played in a sort of humorous sort of way. I don't find it that funny, you know, because... Mm. Other way about, it's really fucking gross and weird, so why mm. should it be a... T- yeah, so Amy and Rory uh, mm. divorce uh, for no reason, split up. There isn't any sort of lead-up to it the previous season, and then she reveals it's because Rory has always wanted kids, and Amy, okay. for some reason, because of her time at Demon's Run, can't have kids. Um, mm. So Amy, in her infinite wisdom, kicked Rory out because she couldn't handle the fact that he wanted something that he she couldn't give her. Mm. Never mind the fact they could have adopted or anything. There's a multiple things that they could have done, but no, that's just... That's what happened. And um, mm. Rory then rightly says, in our relationship, I think I love you more than you love me, and it will mm. save both of our lives because I'm trying to help you. And she slaps him again. It's not meant to be funny, Actually, that's a good... Now that I think about it, I think I love you more than you love me. And to then get smacked. that It's kind of yeah. proves his point yeah. in a strange way. Yeah, so it, it's it's not played for jokes. There's no... Mm. Oh, it's a complete and utter hard slap to the face. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. And it's it just seems to be indicative of what... I think you don't really realise when you're watching a show about a time-travelling alien... Just seems mm. like a fucking abusive relationship, it to be honest. Bit shit, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like, and and this is like, this is a problem I have. It's like, being an arsehole is somehow funny to Stephen Moffat, mm. Mm. and it would be if the joke was on the people who are arseholes, but it isn't. Mm. You know, like there's a there's a mm. sitcom called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and all those characters mm. are fucking horrible, but the joke is always on them. And it's, mm. it's, look how terrible these people are, rather than, these are terrible people, but they're likeable because they have witty dialogue. Do you, I mean, it's like, it's not, mm. it's not even remotely the same thing. So she just sours mm. as the seasons go on, you know? Mm, mm. No, I completely know what you mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it is a, a problem consistent with Stephen Moffat, is that he struggles to write a female character that's someone who's a, a good person. Yeah. And while I don't think... A person, a character needs to be a good person mm-hmm. to be a good character. I do think there are certain certain sort of basic things we can all agree on as sort of vaguely bad or vaguely good moral actions. Maybe murdering someone in the middle of the blue isn't good. Yeah. Maybe smacking your husband isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some of these things aren't morally good actions. Yeah. Um, and I I do think it's it's indicative of either a poor writing ability yeah. or some kind of horrible ingrained belief in Stephen Moffat. That I can't think of a single female character he's written who's who I would class as a good person. Yeah. Um, Mary lies to John for years and years and years yep. in Sherlock. Um, Molly Hooper in Sherlock. I. 
Actually, I can't think of anything wrong with her. She she was all right, wasn't Do she? Was she terrible in any particular way? Um. <laughs> or not, have, I, have I immediately murdered yeah, my own theory? Not partic- Do you know what I think? I think the problem is is that Stephen Moffat seems to think that people who behave in morally neutral ways are weak and mm. all the attention is paid to the complicated, big-haired genius arsehole who has mm, very yeah. little regard for social norms, people's feelings and or convention you know that that seems mm, to be yeah. his pattern and it, it's just like um yeah like the doctor and Stephen Moffat's tenure just gets like, saddled with these absolutely horrible people for, for yeah. companions <laughs> like like it's it's Clara's um defining character trait is being a control freak that's literally what they say. Yeah, it sort of it's is. Like, why yeah. would you? Why is that? Like, and it's, and like, maybe maybe have a companion like um, I don't know Martha or Donna who actually mm-hmm. rein in the Doctor a little bit and make him question himself in some ways, rather than mm. it just being a battle between two incredibly egotistical <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah, you know. Right. Um. So I don't know, but uh, it's yeah, it just no, it yeah. just sours the the entire yeah. show. I, I really don't like that Amy is consistently quite cruel to Rory. It feels not only is it just sort of cruelness for the sake of, oh, look, it's funny to be cruel. It's also just a bit lazy. It feels like they make the same joke yeah. again and again, which is something I obviously don't like. Yeah. Um, it sort of, it does obviously rub me up the wrong way that um, on the, the night before our wedding, uh, Amy runs away uh, with little to no regard for her fiance. Yeah. Um, and while there is, I suppose, an argument to be made, from the concept that um, she's sort of seduced by the Doctor's offer in a strange way of you can do anything, go anywhere, which is an incredible offer. Surely you'd think the night before your wedding you'd be like, oh my God, I'm getting married tomorrow. That's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. I would argue it belies a set of um, moral choices in her mind that are inherently a bit too far the other way. see See if they did all that. But they portrayed it in a way mm. where this is clearly a toxic relationship that isn't going to end well mm. for anyone. I'd be completely fine with it. I wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. But the problem is, is mm. that when Rory rightly gets upset about it, it's you mm. know, oh shut up, Rory, you stupid fucker! Like it's just like his feelings are completely disregarded. Yeah, ignored and just, it's yeah. like oh, well, shut up, Rory, you're all right. A great a great example of it is in Better Call Saul the relationship between mm. Kim and Jimmy. Like on the surface, they seem to have like a good relationship because they're very close and they help each mm. other, but they both have uh, an unhealthy addiction to like, conning people and duping people. And you know for a fact that it's it's while they may be good for each other in some respects, it's not a good trajectory that they're, that they're on. And if the show did that, then I wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. But it just seems like, mm. nope, shut up. I don't care that mm. I left you. Yeah, it, it did sort of... Um, and it did frustrate me a bit as well, well, in later seasons anyway. It frustrates me that, um, like you say, that unhealthy dynamic is never really acknowledged in like... Mm. Um, the Doctor at no point questions his behaviour upon looking at his companions, and he keeps sort of... Like, there's a point in... Um, just before the ponds get transported back to 1930 New York, which, of course they do. But, um, 
there's a, a part there where um I remember thinking at the time, well, he's trying to wean, he's trying to wean them off him essentially, which yeah. is he knows that they're sort of addicted to him, and that's such an unhealthy thing to to know about your friends essentially that it, it's just sort of fucked. Yeah, and I just don't like it at yeah. all. I mean, I think she makes the right decision to go with the man she loves, you know, and and the doctor who has enabled and created this unhealthy relationship um, by mm. visiting a child, fucking off, traumatising her and then coming back and mm-hmm. uprooting her life in some respects. is like, no, just, oh, yeah. just come back to the TARDIS, we'll figure it out. Obviously knowing that he can't figure it out, otherwise he would have done it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's my biggest gripe with, with Stephen mm. Moffat's season and tenure as a whole. No, me too, yeah. Um, so if uh, what do we think of the time of angels and flesh and stone then, Dan? I know the weeping angels are, are a villain you love very much, and I think that just expands on that. <laughs> I think it um, it brings something happy and joyous to the, to the canon of the weeping angels. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so um, first episode... I quite liked. Mm-hmm. It it gave yeah. it it made the angels a bit more sinister. Um, the fact that they can kill you, snap your neck, and strip mm. things from you to have a voice because they can't speak. That's interesting. Mm. That's a good expansion on a villain that we've mm. you know. Uh the image of an angel thing. Mm. I don't. I don't know. I. I think it's just taking it a little bit too far. I guess. Um. Mm-hmm. It seems being needlessly more complicated than it than it needs to be. Um. Because yep. we only saw them in one episode, and they made such a mm. huge. You know. You know. See when the Daleks were first introduced, like. There wasn't. Oh, by the way, Daleks can also. Uh. You know sneak into your grand's house and blow it up there wasn't there wasn't any huge yeah, things yeah. that we didn't already know subtle changes were made oh this time they can go on land rather than just on metal it's like that's interesting it's a bit of a development and the mm, mm. cerebral cortex thing is is interesting but then saying yeah if you look at an angel through the eyes then another angel will spring from that angel go into your eyeballs and try and turn off your brain it's like come on it's a bit mm-hmm. much in it it's a bit much Stephen. yeah yeah i think it's the the thing is there's a lot of ways he could have explained it as on the same level which really which is what really annoys me watching those episodes back because it's sort of often implied the angels are sort of extra dimensional oh. beings or something like that and they're sort of they you, the only the reason you see them as a statue is because they are suddenly forced through some a, a quirk of their biology or something yeah they are suddenly forced to be stone because once observed, they cannot yes. be this extra-dimensional angel creature. Okay, that that makes perfect sense within the world of sci-fi and yep. Doctor Who. That's perfectly ridiculous. But then they never make any attempt to 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 go over that any more times and explain. Okay, and because um, they can, they are extra-dimensional beings. They also have this ability to be telepathic or to do xyz yeah. or to, to have this advanced ability in some way that i mean i'm i've thought about it for literally about 15 seconds but <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean they could have expanded on it in that direction it would have yeah. made sense because it it that's the reason the daleks sort of slow changes make yeah. sense is because if you did create in your lifetime a, a little metal tank 
you get okay so we've started off and it can only walk on metal floors okay so the next step is to make it walk yeah. anywhere and the next step after that is to probably give it a bigger gun and the next step after that is maybe to make it yeah. fly do you see what i mean <laughs> those are the those are the evolutions that you would go through as Davros, absolutely but there is no evidence of any kind of evolutionary quirk or any kind of engineering quirk from the angels or at the or division who apparently had a hand in the angels somehow oh um, yeah jesus you see what i mean it's just a bit odd and stressful which yeah no i completely agree with you um and to go even further without the second episode uh where mm. the crack is, is somehow involved now because the weeping angel uh, literally yes. hundreds of weeping angels on their own wasn't enough to up the stakes mm. um so amy has this thing where she can't open her eyes Otherwise, the angel will mm-hmm. continue the countdown and she will be killed by the angel yep. in her mind, right? So the doctor <laughs> then says, Okay, Amy, we're at the other end of the big forest. You need to walk like you can see. Okay? Mm. So Amy tries that and the lights go out, lights come back on, and there's about five angels r- around her, right? Okay, so, so the first thing I have mm. with that it was, it was always known that it was a biological imperative that the angels could not move if they're being seen by anyone. Hmm. Amy is closing her eyes. So how the fuck are the angels stone? Yeah, yeah. Now, that's uh, you are completely correct. And the thing that annoys me about that is they could have... In that book, it could have been, oh my god, it's not it's not being seen, it's being observed. Yeah. And it could have been, okay, Amy's flashing a camera yeah. around, and she's like trying to wave a camera around, not knowing where the angels are. Sometimes they're gaining on us, sometimes they're not. You could even have it be sort of a um, Blair Witch Project type thing. The forest is yeah. dark, and she's flashing around a camera with a yeah. light on it. So you're just you're just sort of seeing the angels get closer and closer. She doesn't know where they are, and the sort of the tension as the viewer is that you can see they're getting closer, exactly. and she can't. That's the that's well, yeah. really, really <laughs> tense. Um, I tell you what, should we just rewrite we, all we, of we just, That sounds we just really should. good. Um, I've heard multiple arguments to this. Right, I've heard that the reason that the angels can't move is because there are other angels around, right, and they can see each other. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a fair point. Mm. But then, uh, yeah. but 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 then, the angels mm. move when they think, wait a minute, she can't fucking see us, and. Not only do they move, <laughs> Wait a minute. not only do they fucking move. <laughs> These Glaswegian angels, they run up to her headbutt her. Amy, you fuck. I thought you were a fucking cousin. <laughs> Got a can of iron brew fucking in one hand. Bottles are. Furious. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, so not only do they move, right? But they're still stone when they move, which is like the biggest oh, disappointment. So, so, so the angels aren't some mm. creepy unknown entity that just becomes stone mm. when they're seen. They are actual statues that just move like statues. That is so fucking dumb. It just takes the mystery mm. right out of them. And just to go back... Yeah, and yeah it, just yeah. to go back, it's like... Um, well, if other angels can see them, then how can they move anyway? Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Ever. How can yeah. they ever move? And I was thinking about Blink as well when I rewatched this. I was like, wait a minute. 
The angel's stuck in the basement. All they can do is look, wait for the light bulb to go out and then they'll be fine. So, mm, mm. so the, he tricked them. The doctor tricked them. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, the, the bulb. But light bulbs yeah. don't last forever. <laughs> Eventually the metal will melt or the circuit will yeah. break or something. But the, the angels will last forever. That's their entire Maybe function. Maybe the... How long? Yeah, because they, they said the Aplans had been... Yeah, because they said the angels had been in that cave for like 10,000 yeah. years or whatever. Something will come for them. So, yeah. Something, the, the light bulb exactly. will break. I mean, huh. I think yeah. uh, maybe maybe the doctor hired like a permanent electrician for that building. And he's just there. Maybe. maybe every day getting a mm. good a good salary, just fixing that one light bulb. I don't know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps he is. Who um, knows? Um, I'm just having another quick look through the episode list now because I think it's. I'm enjoying this sort of brief fury. <laughs> um, I quite liked Amy's yes. choice because I love Toby Jones. I like I the Dream Lord. Fantastic. He was a good villain. Um, yes, he was a good villain. Um, I didn't like that it was like pollen. Oh, yeah, um, it's just, just some some pollen in the time pollen. rotor. Uh, so it was all a hallucination. So it, it, you could say that the audience sort of wasted their time. Yeah, you could say that. It None was literally really all a dream. Um, and there was never any actual peril. Literally all a dream. Oh, okay. Well, that's that... frustrating. Can we have Toby Jones yeah. back in a better role? No. Oh, okay. Right. That's brilliant. Isn't okay. that like rule one of storytelling? Like, never create a really good story and then say, yeah, it was all a dream. Didn't we learn that from Lost? Isn't mm. that like... Oh, well, man. Mm. Have you ever heard what happened with Lost? There was the writer's strike. So like people that weren't writers had to just take over oh my and God. finish it. I think, which is certainly. One I think way that's to do why it. Breaking Bad's first season only had seven episodes, because yeah, oh, the and they just strike. went, "No, we'll end it here," because I don't want anyone who isn't a writer to try and f- finish our first season. Sort of makes sense, yeah. I've got to say. Um, what did we think of the Hungry Earth and Cold Blood <clears throat> with the Silurians? I liked it. I did like it. I liked um, it too. Yep. I like, I love, love the lizard people, the Siberians. Yeah, they're great. It's, I love their sort of, um, quite, it's sort of semi-technology. Yep. It's like, um, I don't know quite how to describe it. You can sort of see how they are using sort of guns and stuff like that and equipment that you're just like, yeah, well, I can see how that would have evolved. It's sort of a, a sort of a alternate timeline yeah. type thing. If if they'd, if they'd never have died out, if they'd never have hibernated, yeah. Penned by Chris sense. Chibnall, yeah. I'll say. So fantastic, mm-hmm. Chris! You should be making more episodes like that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. very, just, just really uh, relatable. Um, you know, you've got these complicated feelings on both sides. You've got <clears throat> the Silurians who have been driven underground and have woken up and want to reclaim what they think is theirs, but there's already human beings who have populated the planet. You've got this mother who is mm-hmm. extremely worried for her child and ends up killing the hostage. Like that is like it, it. It's not. It's not out of character. It makes sense, and you can imagine what someone would, mm-hmm. what anyone would do if their child was like taken by anyone, let alone you know lizard lizard people. So it's mm-hmm. it's a really good episode, and I like the fact that yeah, it fails because we're not. We're not perfect. We we have like we can't even agree with members of our own species, let alone a completely other, different type mm-hmm. of life form. You know, so how are we meant you know it's really mm. really. No, yeah, you're right. It's like that episode of um, 
uh, Star Trek Next Generation, where somehow, I forget the exact circumstances of this, but they get Mark Twain onto the Enterprise. Oh. <laughs> somehow, the actual Mark Twain, not like a robot or a, or a hologram, the actual guy. And um, he's sort of like, so you're telling me that like in all these centuries of development from my time to your time, there's no racism, there's no persecution, there's none of these things, there's no inherent X, Y, Z. And uh, Troy just goes, no, everybody just wow. gets on with it. Everybody quite nice, really. And he goes, wow, well, that sounds good. And it's like it's a very sort of... Because um, the episode will have come out in sort of the early 2000s, and it's a, I remember thinking at the time, there's a very on-the-nose way to say, like, um, yeah, look, don't be <laughs> racist. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah, obviously, but it no. just tickled me at the time. Um, uh, back to Doctor Who, because um, I do love the Sullivan, they're great. Vincent and the Doctor, I've just noticed, uh, uh, which obviously yes. is a spectacular episode, one of the one of the greats of Doctor Who. Uh, out of this series, every episode on IMDb has about 6,000 yeah. ratings. Uh, uh, the Big Bang has 7,000. Uh, and they're all sort of uh, 8, 7, 8.27, 8. 8.6. Uh, Vincent and the Doctor has 10,000 ratings and is yes. 9.3 stars. Isn't that... Well, out of 10. I feel like I should clarify. It's not 9.3 yeah. out of a million. Um, but yeah, it's a really brilliant, good. brilliant episode, um, I, which I'm astounded that I haven't seen the actor that plays Vincent in anything else. Yeah. No, he is. He's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Tony Curran. Let's see what else he's done. Um, there's a picture of Brian Cranston. No. I don't think that's Tony Curran. Um, he did a film called Caliber, a film called Deadwood the Movie, uh, oh. Outlaw King, Ray Donovan, I'm, I have not Outlaw seen any King, of these things, I'm afraid. Um, that's about Robert the Bruce, played by Chris Pine. Um, less, less said oh, about that, cool. better. Uh, but uh, I, I, good? I think it's historically accurate. I'm, I'm not entirely sure about Chris's Scottish accent, um, but that, as a Scottish person, that's the first thing you go for. You know, you, you, that's all you look <laughs> at. That's like, everyone loves Braveheart, even though it is historically dog shit. And made by uh, yes. the eternal enemy of life, Mel Gibson. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's freedom. You know that's <laughs> that's all people think about when they watch it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I I would like to see that guy in more things because he was incredibly, incredibly good. Mm. Oh god, yeah, definitely. And oh Bill Nye yeah, just at the end, just for his his brief cameo, absolutely stunning. But then he, I don't think he's ever turned no. in a bad performance ever. No, he's, he's just really good. good. Um, um, yeah, uh, and we do love a bit of James Corden, don't we, Dan? We love James <sighs> Corden. He's See, great. he seems like such a nice guy as well, doesn't he? Such a kind, generous person on all of his real life adventures I heard and talk shows. Some, yeah, yeah. I heard that Rob Brydon said some things to him. And said, "You need to realise that your behaviour affects other people." Well, I heard that he actually said mm. that to James Corden. Um, so I mean, wow. I I really like Rob Brydon. Um, unless it turns out, mm. yes, he did. That was a while ago, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, um, but it was so good. you know, if if Rob Brydon's telling you to knock it off, then maybe you should take a hint, I guess. But that <laughs> mm. episode's okay. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not too mm-hmm. bad. It's funny to watch the Doctor interact mm. socially. Well. Okay, so let's talk about the season finale. We've got the Pandora opens and the Big Bang two, or is it just called the Big Bang? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it's called the Big Bang. Okay, what do we think of them? Do we love them? Do we hate them? Yeah. Do we feel ambivalent towards them? What's the What's the thinking? 
Um, I like the Pandoric Opens because the sort of side characters that we've seen throughout the entire season hmm. come back in various ways. Uh, so it the the cracks that we see at the end of every episode actually have a through line that actually has a payoff, which is nice, you know, rather than... Like, when, when I first watched it, I was just worried, oh, we're just going to see cracks everywhere and it's not going to ever come mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. But no, we, we got to see them again. We did get to see them good. again. But and, um, uh, it sort of frustrated me that it didn't really make much sense in a strange way. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it started with uh, Vincent mm. van Gogh, who had created a painting of the yes. TARDIS exploding, and then it went yes. to the cabinet war rooms... And then it went to fucking Liz Ten. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The Queen, yeah, Liz Ten, and uh, yeah, then that's when River Song got it, and then she went back to when uh, the Romans invaded Britain, and Stonehenge mm-hmm. was there, and that's where the Pandorica is, which yeah, is okay, sort of I makes guess. Some sense. For a, I quite liked um, that. It's a yeah, bit of a throwaway cool. line, but I quite like it whenever I see it. Um, when when they're sort of touching Stonehenge and it's like, why is it old? It was always old. It's really, really fucking old. <laughs> um, I quite like yeah. that. That was a nice touch. Absolutely. Um, I I take issue with Amy's uh, premise of her yep. old school project, Invasion of the Hot yeah, Italians. I'm not entirely sure what the... Um, um, academic merit of that project yeah because i mean i suppose if you're studying the romans it doesn't matter what you call the project as long as the actual content of the paper is there was julius caesar and he did stuff and also there was this other bloke yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of confused as to what she thought rome was because rome basically encompassed the Mm, known world at that point and they didn't differentiate it between italians and uh germanic it's like if you were in Rome, if you were in the Roman Empire, yeah, you're it's, um, a Roman. Yeah, you're a it's Roman something citizen. that's a bit hard for us to grasp nowadays. But yeah, um, it's like one of my favourite facts about history is that Italy didn't really exist until like the twenties, or something unbelievably modern. Yeah, because it was essentially just a big <clears throat> country full of city states, and so for it to say Rome yeah. means Rome the city state, not Rome the city, and then Rome the city state just took yeah. over everything it could reach, really, which is terrifying and amazing. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. that. It's like a hard thing for us to think about because it's. Can you really imagine Italy, sort of taking Germany and then Spain, Portugal, and France, and what's on the other yeah. side of Germany, um, sort of Poland and those other countries? Can you imagine that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, I certainly can't. No. Um, I mean, it was it it was it was really interesting because I mean, despite the fact that <clears throat> Rome's tactic was to conquer mm. a tribe and then obliterate its identity which is yes <laughs> a horrible mm. fucking thing to do i'm not saying i'm not making any excuses but skin color in the roman empire was much more like mm. eye color you know that like it wasn't paid as much mm. attention mm. to like at all um so to just say yeah it was italy that did it it's like come on yeah it's um hell. it does get uh, me the uh, something i always find quite interesting about the roman empire is you're either in or you're out but beyond that, there's not much mm. distinction. If you're out, it doesn't matter whether you're yeah, everyone was XYZ. a citizen. If you're in, you're a Roman. Let's have no more of it, sort of thing. Yeah, you're either a Roman or a barbarian. That's the which is yeah. And horrible. while erasing but, someone's know, cultural identity when they join your civilization isn't an objectively good thing, it's 
yeah. certainly an interesting thing to look back on and to think that it's sort of a way that they sort of <clears throat> dominated their sense of individuality by saying, no, no, we are Rome. Rome is everything sort of thing. It's interesting to, to have seen yeah. that civilization doing stuff. Yeah. If you want to learn a bit more about Rome in a fun but educational way, play Fallout New uh, Vegas. You, you could play yeah, yeah. that if you want. Yeah. Or you could open a textbook, you lazy <laughs> fucker. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you lazy fuck. Um, another mm. thing, witty dialogue mm. again. Mm. So the when the doctor realizes that all of these monsters that everyone has, any every time that he's you know mm. tried to save the earth, every single villain compounds on on mm. Stonehenge. And the doctor says, we need the greatest military apparatus in the history of the universe. Who? The Daleks? No, the mm, Romans. Mm. It's like, oh, oh, well, against the Daleks. <laughs> At the end of the who... day, the Romans were essentially just hundreds and hundreds of people, sure. But they did just have swords. Yeah. <laughs> and a ballista yeah, every now yeah, and then, did... but yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm. come on. There's <laughs> not even any... I mean, I get what they're trying... I get, oh, it's funny and all that. Do they even use the Romans? They don't really? know, because the Romans, because the Romans go to turn... sleep halfway through. Yeah, and they turn yeah. out to be Autons. The so... greatest historical oh, fighting force. The Autons. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, the, the reason the Roman army was sort of, like, powerful and all the rest of it is because there was so many of them. The, the, the reason that they sort of yeah. had this sort of uh, military dominance <clears throat> is they would take over an area, erase the, erase the cultural identity, romify it and put in baths and coliseums and all the rest of it, and then physically remove the people that used to live there and take them anywhere else in the empire. And then to get uh, to yeah. the next town over and the next town beyond that and the next town beyond that, they would get people from the other side of the empire and say, right, you, 256 people, you're a new legion go and get in that village and then if that legion all died they say right now you 256 people they just kept bringing new legions and pushing them forward and forward and forward into the, the sort of front lines of the empire that's what made the, the army yeah. um, sort of military powerful was the fact that compared to sort of uh, fairly disunited tribes people of, of ancient europe the, the the roman army was literally endless compared to a dozen people that lived mm -hmm. in a village but that's yep. literally the opposite of what the doctor has. He has what is it, thirty Romans that turn out to be plastic. So <laughs> it's not really yeah, exactly. He, he sort of missed. So. I know it's a joke, and I know I'm overanalyzing it, and I'm being a bit of a twat. But he sort of missed the point, which it rubbed me up a bit the wrong way. But so I'm glad I got it off my chest. But on the same level, I'm aware I'm being a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. No. <laughs> No, you're right. You are right. Like, I mean... no, <laughs> no, you're right. You are. No, come on. Um, so the conclusion of this season involves Amy, uh, sort of imagining people mm. back, which is wibbly wobbly yeah. timey. Way. So Rory gets erased <laughs> from existence. He does, mm -hmm. and somehow her her love for. How does the Doctor remember him? The Doctor remember Rory? Because oh. he's a time traveller, so he views time in a non-linear, oh, different way, or he's got off. energy Come on. or something. I don't know. 
Amy's a time traveller. Yeah, true. Oh, but the Doctor's a time lord. Maybe he's got like five brains. Oh, I don't of know. course. Of course. That makes... Yeah, sure. Okay. And what? I defy you to tell me that the Doctor does not have five brains. He doesn't have five brains. He has... <laughs> he, he, I think he has like two brains. He just squished the one that was already in there down and put another one on top like a hat. No, I think he does. Isn't it's a binary vascular system? Oh, okay, yeah, because he's got two hearts, I suppose. He's got two hearts. Um, and one of the hearts is a brain. And and, <laughs> and Missy said something about three for my brain stem. So she got three brains. She got three brains. I've fucking no idea, man. Mm, um, well, the doctor could have three brains. That's how he remembered. Um, I think we're coming up on time now and we've managed to end the series. So, is there anything else you want to mention before we finish the episode? Yeah, uh, Victor of the Daleks was dog shit. Um, they, <laughs> they, how, how, how was it a victory? They made five Power Rangers and then fucked off. Like, that is... True. God. I think it's... I mean, giving it a bit of credit, I suppose the thing is that it's like... Um, it shows their resilience. They will always come back. There will oh. always be more of them sort of thing. I suppose that's probably what yeah. they're going for. Um, it also showed the um, sort of inherent racism of the Daleks. Of yeah. You are genetically impure and they got destroyed because of it. Um, but then we do see the Power Ranger Daleks and the sort of brass Daleks coexisting yeah. Yeah. in um, Asylum of the Daleks and all over the shop, really. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah, because in the in the original Dalek episode that came back, that singular Dalek killed two hundred people, and yes. these supposedly the master race of Daleks mm. killed about five people, if that. Mm. And to also, it, I liked. I I didn't quite understand that it was um, they're like meant to be the original Daleks down to the genetic code or whatever. That's what the progenitor is. So. When and why did the Daleks shrink? What's the difference? Because it's still going to yeah. be a little gross tentacly squid guy in there. It's, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I, I mean... Don't, who's to say what the original starting point of the Daleks was? Is it that episode that I that we watched for um, Greatest Doctor Who episode of all time? Is it those Daleks? Maybe. I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, I wish it was like... Because they come out fully formed in their armour and their tanks... Mm, I wish mm. it was like the squid things came out and then they mm. had to like create their own thing. Kinda like a bit like resolution where they have to like be you know um do you know what? I think that would have been a great way to kill off Davros because I think Davros just needs to die now. I think like if he gave <laughs> his his last energy to these new and and also imagine there were only five Daleks in existence but mm. they were so powerful that killing one of them was like a huge deal. Like you could mm, have them mm. for like years, and every two years or something, you kill one of them, and maybe they meet up mm. sometime. That would have been much more interesting than just yeah, it's sort of like a cult of Scaro type situation. Exactly, because that shit worked. Yeah, that would have been more interesting. Yeah, and the cult of Scaro was brilliant. I loved that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was really good. But um. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, Victory of the Daleks was a bit rubbish. And it sort of rub- always, always, stuff set in World War Two and period stuff always rubs me up the wrong way a bit. Yeah. And um, this did as well. Because I thought, oh, uh, Winston Churchill, he's bloody good. Oh, isn't he? He's bloody great <laughs> as well. You know, yeah. white supremacy. Yeah, K- he's not that great. KBO. Um, KBO. Keep being 
awful. <laughs> <laughs> awful like yeah the, yeah the guts yeah it works see see perfect yeah keep being awful everyone yeah and, and on that note i think it's time to end the episode I think keep is. being awful everyone i think it is um closing statement um yes i have a closing statement um sorry i'm playing with a clip i've just clipped my thumb oh, um, <laughs> uh while i like this series in theory what it does not stand up to much thinking about um, I enjoy Matt Smith's performance. Um, I'm not sure if I enjoy any of the other performances, really. Some interesting <laughs> concepts that feel wasted in this series, very annoyingly. Um, though I'm glad it happened, because I look back on these episodes fondly, because they were sort of, when I was 11, These when did this come out? 2011? So I would have been, oh, 2010, yeah. So I would have been 10, 11 years old watching these episodes. So I remember them very sort of fondly, yeah. really, in a funny way. Um, so... While I'm thankful these episodes exist, perhaps they could have done with a bit more of polish before they were filmed yeah. and, and, and sent out into the world. I'm not sure. A little bit, a little bit, but mm. um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I did enjoy these episodes, and uh, all goes downhill from here. <coughs> Geronimo. Yep, I mean, Geronimo indeed. Uh, so, have we got some shilling and other bits and bobs to be doing? We do. Uh, we all have link trees. And uh, Lewis's mm-hmm. link tree is uh, linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast is slash Shouting Into The Void. There you will find our socials, our Facebook, our Instagram, our YouTube. Go give us a like. Go give us a follow. Go give us a subscribe. Leave a comment if you're feeling cheeky. And uh, yeah, thank you. Um, mm. We also have a PayPal donate button. So anything you can spare, anything at all would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we also have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do it every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you, one and all. You make the show possible, and you allow us to do what we do, and talk absolute nonsense about Doctor Who for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever this is, after I've edited it all together. Um, So thank you very, very much uh, for your support. It really does mean the world. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, We also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell tote bags, jumpers, mugs, socks, stickers, all sorts of stuff. Go get yourself something nice, because you deserve it. You do. Indeed. Indeed you do. It's, It's... January, you deserve a a present to 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 dull those yeah. January blues away. You do, you absolutely do. Mm, um, yeah, it's true. We're also partnered with an amazing company called Right Side Yarns, and we have an amazing advert for you to listen to. Indeed. No. Oh, and we're oh, back. Oh, that was that, good, was, wasn't that it? was fantastic. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it every time I listen mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. It just gets better and better. So do I. You know, it does. It improves with quality. It's like <coughs> a fine cheese. Yeah. Mm. It's like yeah, I was good. No, yeah, that's what it's like. And <laughs> last but not least, we are partnered with an another an another amazing company called Number Twelve Crochet Avenue, and uh, Lewis mm-hmm. is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are one hundred percent true. Indeed I am. Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which they crochet and they do all sorts of bits and bobs and odds and ends in that world. And if you want to see what they're doing and keep up with the latest developments, then you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram, give them a cheeky like, give them a cheeky follow and check everything out over there. That would be great. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Mm. Yes. Um, I think you're right. Just between us what what will i mm-hmm. what will i say for um 
Um, or we just not say anything and then. Yeah, just don't say anything. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So um, I think that's yep. us. And uh, I think it is us. You're right. Yes, we will see you, hear you, smell you. Um, unite with every villain out there and trap you in a box. Put you in a box. Yeah. Yep. Next time. Next time. Yes. So thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.